As soon as you land, you go to the gym for practice. So you walk through plays, you get shots up, you go through the scouting report of matchups, who you're going to guard. You watch some film to get an idea of how they play and how you should strategically attack them. And then you go watch more football. <laughs> The vets that really impacted my life, Earl Watson for sure, he, he taught me the importance of showing up early, understanding that the pregame workout a lot of times was my game, and also understanding that other teams are always critiquing and potentially jotting down notes because you never know when they're going to be in a position to try to get you as a free agent. In terms of me making a list, I would go Michael Jordan for sure, Magic, LeBron, Bill Russell, Shaq or Bill Russell. Kareem or go big, big, Kareem, Shaq. I'd go some type of combination like that. But once again, it's hard to really choose five players when there's so many great players that have played this game. Welcome to the Jerry Rice episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 80. It's been a while, but we are back. The season is here. Uh, two or three games into the season now for most teams. Uh, we're currently in Dallas, getting ready for the Dallas Mavericks. There's been a lot of great games so far. A lot of players have stepped up and played well. Some players that maybe weren't as known heading into this season are making themselves known early on. Uh, I'm just really excited about the regular season and uh, the travel, the competitiveness, and trying to get ready for another playoff run. Jordan, who's been your favorite team to watch so far? Who's kind of surprised you as the season has gotten underway? Well, I, I'm, I've watched a lot of hoop, just like you. Uh, interesting to see the Nets uh, in two games. They In his opener, Kyrie goes for 50, misses a game winner. Uh, had no turnovers in 38 minutes. I thought that was outstanding. And then last night, hits a three to beat the Knicks. So, you know, really cool to see Kyrie get going pretty quickly. Uh, I guess no surprise. They were up big last night and ended up holding on. I'm also, I've been pretty impressed with, with R.J. Barrett. Uh, has played pretty well. Uh, the Lakers limped out to a pretty um, soft start against the Clippers and then came back last night with a nice win. Um, but as a whole, I guess my biggest thing, if you were to say one, you know, one storyline, you know, seeing Milwaukee go into Houston uh, and beat the Rockets and seeing, I guess, the early stages of Harden and Westbrook and how that's going to work or not work. Um, I, I guess it's going to take time and I'm not surprised, but it, it seems to me like it's going to take more time than probably Rockets fans would hope for um, just because of how those guys play and, and how they're going to want to each have the ball down the, down the stretch in games. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to take them some time to figure each other out again. Their, their games have both evolved since the last time they played together. Obviously, the Houston Rockets play a different type of system. A lot of threes, uh, a lot of paint two-pointers. They don't really encourage the mid-range game a lot, and that's where Russ has thrived throughout his career and those isos, those early back downs um, in transition and in flow. So it's going to take them some time, but I think they'll be able to figure it out and and mesh at some point. I think the Kyrie 50 ball was nasty, and then the step back he hit was very finals-esque, going to his right, clock winding down, um, crowd going crazy. I, I really enjoy seeing that. I think um, it's been fun to see uh, Luca and Chris Asperzingas play together. I think the league is definitely enjoying that, that two-man punch. Um, 
looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder, Shea has played extremely well. He's been really efficient. I think it's one of those situations to where he developed a lot, you know, in L.A. with Sam Cassell and that staff. And now he's kind of taking it personal, you know, being traded and being put in a position where he's starting now. He's playing alongside a, a Hall of Famer and Chris Paul, and he's been given, you know, the the altar the altar green light and I think it's it's been very beneficial for him. Obviously, it's really early into the season, and uh, there's 80 plus games to go, uh, but that's what I've kind of noticed so far. And I really like Kobe White. I think Kobe White has played well. Um, he showed some explosiveness, some efficiency, and the ability to knock down uh, the three pointer at a high clip. So, yeah, that's kind of what I've seen so far. But like you said before, it's still really early. Boston Celtics got a lot to figure out early on in their season as well. Oh, I love I love. Kobe White, uh, he was excellent last night. I think that's a really cool combination with him and Zach Levine, two explosive scorers. You mentioned Shea. I, I definitely feel there's a a chip on his shoulder, um, even more so now because he's 21 years old and and he's probably the first time he's really dealt with real adversity in terms of being traded and having an opportunity to to start fresh with a new team. He looks excellent. He had he had a great preseason. And he's clearly parlayed that into the regular season. You mentioned Dallas. I watched the whole game last night um, and was so impressed. And I'm really excited to see you guys play them because I was so impressed with both Doncic and Porzingis. Uh, they go into New Orleans and overcome a very slow start to to move to 2-0. and I thought Luca, he's doing a lot of the same things he did last year, except now you, know, you can see he's dropped maybe 15 pounds. He's a little more, a little quicker, and Porzingis still getting his groove. But again, he looks stronger and better. The, the, the I mean, that's a really, really nice one-two combo. You, two young players that have a lot of skills, and you talk about what the way Dallas wants to play and some of the the way they. I mean, you'll tell me better, but I mean, their offense is is going to be, I would imagine, a top five offense in terms of efficiency this this season because of those two guys. They'll definitely be, and I was saying that top ten for sure. It's early. It's it's hard to figure out how, like, the Boston Celtics, how Kimba's going to start to blend in. I think some of those offenses will get better once the new players kind of adjust. Denver Nuggets offense will continue to get better um, as the season progresses. But, yeah, you're right. I think they've, be they've definitely been efficient. Porzingis had a full year to sit out. He looks stronger. He's moving well. He's shooting the ball. They got a deadly pick and roll. And they play with a good pace. Luka does a good job of controlling the tempo. They got DeLon Wright coming off the bench. They got Seth Curry. They got Tim Hardaway Jr. They got some other players who are able to contribute, knock down shots, and space the floor. And historically, uh, Carlisle has done a great job of putting the ball in his best players' hands and allowing them to, to make decisions. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Carl Anthony Towns. Mm -hmm. He is killing 36 and a half points, yeah. 14 and a half rebounds, five assists, 11 of 18 from D through two games and 60% from the field. Obviously, it's a small sample size, but he he looks very locked in. Um, he's scoring from all three parts of the court. He's getting rebounds, putbacks, knocking down mid-range, knocking down threes. Uh, he is a monster, mm -hmm. and he's he's really killing. He's really playing well, and I'm sure DV is excited about uh, being able to utilize him in so many different ways. I mean, how many seven footers can can do what he does? I mean, I, you know, you, you know, Jokic does a lot of the same stuff in a different way. Uh, although he's gotten off to a little bit of a slower start, but but Cat, it's like he it's almost as if 
he forgets sometimes or he doesn't care that he's seven feet because he'll take the ball from the three and he'll his footwork and his the way he can handle the ball and the way he can contort his body, everything about it. And you talk about pace, he's always under control. It's two games, but he looks like right now an all NBA, like first team all NBA guy that's that took it a big slight last year that he wasn't all NBA. He he looks as good as he's ever looked. And I don't know if you know how good that team is gonna be, but certainly he he's he's in best shape and best form of his career. Yeah, I think we're we're both in agreement that uh, although it is very early, he looks polished. He looks in like he's in midseason form and seems to be on a mission. Um that's for sure. Going back to Dallas quickly, uh one guy that's an unsung hero for them, I'm curious to get your take on him. A guy that I've loved since college is Delon Wright. Uh defensively very good. Have you got a chance to see the tape from uh from last night yet against New Orleans? Yeah, I see some of the game and I'll watch again. Um as we get closer to, to actually playing playing them in the locker room, et cetera. But he's got great pace. He finishes well around the basket. He lives at the rim. He's got left-hand finishes, right-hand finishes, inside foot pivots, all of the above. And he's showing the ability to be able to knock down threes at times, which is going to be very important for him in terms of spacing for Luka, spacing for Kristaps Porzingis, um, and the rest of the guys. But he was a great addition, a under-the-radar signing for sure that's going to contribute and really change their team. Yeah, last night, according to ESPN Stats and Info, Pelican shooters 5 of 16 when guarded by Wright. Uh, he had an excellent steal late that really, you know, basically ended the game. And like you said, scoring a little bit, he can do a lot of things. I, I, I like Dallas. I, I cannot wait for this game. I know you guys come in from from sack and might be a little a little tired, but it it feels like this is this is a really fun game from uh for for you guys, but also for the fans. Um, and then I'm just wondering, like on a day like today, see, walk us through how you'll. You'll go about it because, you know, you, you're one and one and you're already like in the full swing of travel. Is today a good opportunity for a nap at some point where you guys have shoot around? Um, you know, it's very early. So tell us how that goes. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we don't normally stay the night in cities, but we stayed the night in Sacramento because we would have got to Dallas at like four or five in the morning with the time change. Um, so we stayed the night. We took a flight out early. Uh, we'll take usually stay the night you leave at like 11 a.m. So wheels up around 11, 11, 15. And as soon as you land, you go to the gym for practice. So you walk through plays, um, you get shots up, you go through the scouting report of matchups, who you're going to guard, um, their pace. You watch some film to get an idea of, of how they play and how you should strategically attack them. And then you go watch more football <laughs> since it's since it's Saturday, you go watch some football, get ready for the uh, NFL on Sunday, and then you try to get some rest. I think we got a six o'clock game on Sunday, and it turns into a back to back with us flying to like San Antonio, I believe. So you got to try to get rest. If you can get a nap, you take a nap on the plane, because once you land and get to the city, it's four thirty five p.m. So it's approaching that that time where it's too late. So going back to the sack game, to, just to wrap that up you, you had some great you and dame basically closed the whole thing out uh we were talking before we started recording about sacramento and you know obviously how talented that young team is what did you see from them and what's the process for a 
for a young team like Sacramento to learn how to win and get over the hump where you're in these close games um, and then you got to learn how to close them out because obviously they were right there and they had an opportunity to win it and then you guys laid down the hammer. Yeah, I think as you get older and gain more experience, you figure out how to close games, you figure out what sets to call and your execution just continues to sharpen. Um, we've gone through some tough losses, we've had some tough wins, but I think as we've gained experience, uh, we just feel more comfortable in those situations right now. And obviously Dame closed the game out hitting 35 footers, uh, which always makes things nice and convenient uh, for your team. But I think Sacramento is good. They're going to, they're going to, be good for years to come. Obviously, they got a nice young nucleus. They got Bogdanovich. They got Buddy. Um, they got De'Aaron Fox. And they were missing two really key rotational players, Bagley and uh, Harry Giles. So I think they're going to be good. There's no question about it. It's just a, a matter of them developing, them understanding game management, time management, and then figuring out how to close out games, which takes time. Uh, it takes time. It takes some tough losses. It takes some some good wins, and you kind of figure out execution as you get older. But I think we did a great job of just defending. We made it more difficult for them to score, kept them off the free throw line, and then that, that created a, a game where we can get out and run in transition. Really cool article in The Ringer, The Art of Sticking Around in the NBA. We talked about it uh, throughout the week. Really cool because it sets a tone of the other side of things, you know, non-star players that are learning how to basically play as long as possible, be as effective as possible. And there's there's really six lessons. And one of the lessons that stood out to me was number four, listen to your vets. It says, the way these teams are set up now, the best young players are normally on the worst teams because they get drafted one, two, or three. And that's um, Jameer Nelson, I believe. So... When you were coming in, uh, I know Earl Watson was a was a key for you. Who were who your key vets, and uh, and now who who have you taken under your wing um, in terms of the young guys? This article was brilliant, by the way. I would definitely recommend reading it if you're just interested in basketball or just a fan of great articles because uh, it really breaks down how to succeed. It has feedback from veterans, players who've played in the NBA and how they've been able to manipulate long careers, not just by playing, but how they behaved and how they prepared. But the vets that really impacted my life, Earl Watson, for sure, he, he taught me the importance of showing up early, understanding that the pregame workout a lot of times was my game, and also understanding that people talk, you know, not just your team, but scouts that come and watch your warm-up, scouts that come and see how early you're getting there. Other teams are always critiquing and potentially jotting down notes because you never know when they're going to be in a position to try to get you as a free agent. Um, Mo Williams was one of my vets early on, and he just kind of taught me the importance of being able to disconnect from basketball, uh, learning you know, how to find healthy habits, things that you can do outside of basketball to kind of take your mind away from the game. Chris Kamen was another veteran that we had for a couple of years. I still talk to him to this day. Uh, he's just a funny dude who knew how to last in the NBA. He had a good Good character trait about him. Very funny, good personality. People really liked being around him. And he had great post moves and really worked on that stuff. And, and towards the latter part of his career, he was really focused on his body and staying in shape. Darrell Wright was another one of my vets, one of my OGs who was here along with Mo Williams and Earl Watson and came at the same time. And 
he just was always just a fun loving dude. He was really big on team bonding. So having certain types of events where we could go together as a team, maybe we landed in city as a sprinter uh, there for us, for us to have an outing or go to go out to eat at certain restaurants. Um, and I've kind of adopted stuff from each person uh, to implement to my own lifestyle, whether that's educating vets on, you know, what, what my vets taught me, how they should behave, how they should get there early, how they should not be discouraged, how you have to humble yourself early because you might not be playing the amount of minutes that you want to play early. I organize outings where we go out to eat, we may go to a football game, things I'm interested in or things I think players may be interested in. I'm not sure if you've seen the article, Jordan, but there's an article about how we threw a party uh, for Rodney Hood, a surprise party his wife planned, and he was just really excited about that um, to the point where he almost was moved to tears. He's only been with our team for about eight months, and normally he doesn't celebrate his birthday. He has kids. You know what it's like when you get caught up in the years, and it's just another day. But just little stuff like that to make people feel um, appreciated is very important. and mm. goes a long way. That's that's awesome. I, I was struck by a quote from C.J. Miles, uh, the longtime veteran wing he said uh that he was teammates with greg ostertag in utah but then at one point uh years later in 2012 he realized that he was now greg ostertag he was the vet um and it happened so fast that he didn't really realize it was happening until it finally hit him when Kyrie was the number one pick coming out of coming out of duke have you had that point yet i mean you're right in that you're not that old. You just turned 28. But have you had that point where you're like a vet or you feel like, okay, I could be that guy now? I'm getting there. I'm getting to the point where I've experienced a lot. I've seen a lot across the league. Um, I played with uh, Big D Wright and now Little D Wright's in the league, although they're not that many years apart. I think it's funny that I played against uh, his little brother and he's like starting to turn the corner in the league. Looking at the the amount of players in the NBA now that were born in the 2000s. And it didn't hit me until yesterday we were at shoot around or two days ago we were at shoot around and coach always points up to the jerseys that are retired and asks the rookies to name them and offers them a hundred dollars per name. And Nazir Little didn't know who Mitch Richmond was. He seen <laughs> Richmond and he couldn't name the first name. Wow. So that like just kind of tells you how young a lot of these players are. He had no idea who Nate Tiny Archibald was. He had no idea why they called him Tiny. Like just those little things to kind of remind you that like, man, these guys are really young. Like the cartoons they watch were different. The players they seen were different. Like I played against Kobe towards the back end of his career. And these guys were in like elementary school when Kobe was in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's like eight years ago, our rookie was... 12, <laughs> 11 years old. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's Kent's rookie year in the league. That's Dane's rookie year right. in the league. So just the the difference in age now is starting to settle in. And I'm only seven years in, so I can only imagine how it'll be when I'm 10, 12, 14 years in and how young these guys are. I love what your teammate, Anthony Tolliver, who I know you— Great dude. Seems like everybody loves Tolliver. Uh, Great dude. Yeah, he he's undrafted out of Creighton in 27, and he says in the article that he's never actually been— even way back in AAU basketball, middle school, he's never been the best player on his team. And that when his dad was the coach, when he was 12 or 13, he was not even in the rotation of AAU basketball. You want to talk about a guy that has defied the odds. Anthony Tolliver uh, is 34, I think, 34 years old, not undrafted, and has been in the NBA uh, for a long time, uh, 12 years, 13 years now. Um, what have you, I mean, 
he hasn't been around a long time with you guys, but what have you learned from him already? Just his professionalism. His professionalism is what really has stuck out. He's like the ultimate teammate. He shows up early. He takes care of his body. He never complains. And he's one of those vets that loves when, when people ask him questions because he can educate them. Younger players are attracted to him early, sit at his table. Uh, AT is really big on real estate, so he's been sharing a lot of real estate knowledge with the guys, the importance of investing, how to invest, how to strategically plan your portfolio, and also breaking down the importance of networking, using your network reaching out to people, uh, trying to connect with like minds and people who are um, experts in certain areas. I think that's one of the things I've noticed from him early on, and we're, we're potentially going to do some real estate here in the near future. So it's been good to kind of speak to him, bounce questions off him, have him as a teammate now, a guy you can really rely on to be prepared and just be the the ultimate professional. It's easy to see why he's been in the league for so long, although he was undrafted out of Creighton, took the unconventional route, has played on nine or ten teams. He's always a necessity for teams because he does things the right way. He's a great vet to have in a locker room. Career 37, 38% three-point shooter. I might be sliding him. He's probably more 39, 40. Loves to take charges. Has all the intangibles that you like to see in a player who's going to contribute to a, a playoff veteran team. It, it, with someone like that, what, uh, can you quantify what they're worth in like wins or, or down the stretch of you know, games or the season and like, what's their, like, how do you quantify the value of a player like that, of a person like that? It's hard to quantify it, honestly, because their presence is felt daily. Yeah. From how they prepare to how they approach it, to the rotations, them understanding the schemes, understanding the plays immediately because they've been in the league so long. They're so familiar with everything. Mm -hmm. It just makes the game easier. It's a seamless fit, seamless transition for him. He does all the right things, makes all the right plays. Great guy, great teammate, someone you can be around. Um, it just makes life easier, not only for for players but for staff because right. it, you know it's someone you can depend on, someone who's not going to complain about their role, someone who's always going to be ready regardless of the minutes, regardless of the situation. Um, it, those are the type of players you love to have on your team um, because they do things the right way. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Uh, some NBA news and notes before we get to my final. Uh, you don't even know what I'm going to ask you, but I have a funny question for you. Um, <laughs> shout out to... Mr. Sabonis in Indiana, four-year, $79 million extension. Uh, Joe Cha-ching. Ingles, one-up, uh, $14 million extension. He'll be under contract in Utah through 2022. Cha-ching. DeJounte Murray, Seattle guy who um, really want to get on the pod. Four-year, $64 million. I, you know I love him. I know you're a big fan of his game. 
Cha-ching. Um, Huge and, fan of his game, man. Love him. Yeah, yeah, his game he, and he, everything he's about. Yeah, he he he's a guy that lives in the gym and uh, approaches life like an undrafted player, even though he was a high pick. I, I, I think he's going to be a very good player. Uh, Buddy Heald, $86 million guaranteed. You just saw him. Uh, I like him. You like Buddy, yeah? Yeah, Buddy's good, man. Moves around out the ball. Great, great jumper. Great form. Good balance. Um, really happy for him, man, because his situation where he's come from, what he's been over to over, what he's been able to overcome, and how he's handled himself mm-hmm. throughout this process helps out his community where he's from, and continues to figure out ways to impact the game on and off the court. Yeah, he was one of the most efficient shooting guards in the league last year. Obviously, uh, started in New Orleans as a lottery pick and now um, really playing well and, and just uh, one of the really good guys. Jalen Brown, four years, $115 million. Um, I was surprised a little bit that he got that before Tatum got his rookie steal extension. Um, but uh, then again, Jalen Brown, I-, I thought he was their only – I thought he played better than anybody in the playoffs. I know you like the way he approaches the game in terms of just – Downhill on both sides of the ball. Yes, super downhill, really aggressive, um, fearless, loves to attack, but he also has an underrated jumper. I think he's really worked on his jumper. He's gotten in the gym and improved in that aspect, and his handle has tightened up, which makes the game a lot easier uh, for him in terms of creativity and, and how to get space to score. Before I let you go today, uh, I'm sure you saw, Michael Jordan does not think Steph Curry is a Hall of Famer. Now, I know Michael Jordan has his opinions, and he can be rash, but I I don't know how that's possible on any planet. Um, he basically was asked if he would uh, amend the players, by the way, in 2013 of a pickup game, and he said he wouldn't. This is Jordan's all-time team. He says, MJ, Hakeem, Magic, Pippen, James Worthy. So there's a there's two questions there. One is, is Steph a Hall of Famer right now? You know my answer. And then two, um, can I, I want the CJ McCollum, here's my top five to beat MJ's top five list. <laughs> that that's a super loaded question that you just threw at me. Um I know, I know. That's why I didn't that's why I didn't prep you on it. I don't think Jordan was being completely serious about Steph not being a Hall of Famer. I think he was saying that he's not a Hall of Famer right now, which is technically true because he's an active player and can't be a Hall of Famer. I think there was a little wordplay there to, to kind of stir up some controversy and get the buzz going. And just to keep his name, you know, in the news, I think that was more about trying to be funny, but being literal in a sense of he technically can't be a Hall of Famer right now because he's still playing. But Jordan knows that a guy who's won, what, three championships, two MVPs, one of them being unanimous, the greatest shooter to ever touch a basketball is getting into the Hall of Fame. And this is coming from a current player. There's no way he doesn't get into the Hall of Fame. I think there's 99% chance right now, which is which will immediately jump to 100 the day he retires. Um, in terms of his top five list, it's opinionated. It's hard to justify or or comment on someone else's list because it's based on their thoughts, their opinion. I didn't play with Jordan. His era was different. There was a lot of great players from other eras that Jordan didn't play with, but I think based on guys he's competed against and been able to see, um, you have to respect his list. They're all Hall of Famers in, in their own right, and obviously Scotty was his teammate. He got to see him up close and personal, so he knows his game the best, and the rest of the guys are players he's competed against and also are Hall of Famers, so it's tough. Yeah. In terms of me making a list, that's really hard to do without seeing all the players in front of me, but... Mm-hmm. 
I'm just off the top of my head. I would go. I would go Michael Jordan for sure. I would go LeBron in that list um, for point guards. I go Magic. So you got Magic, LeBron, Michael Jordan. I would probably go Bill Russell, Shaq, or Bill Russell, mm-hmm. um, Kareem, Kareem, or I'd go Big Big Kareem Shaq. I'd go some type of combination like that. But once again, I only picked one player from my era. There's other players who could have been involved. It's hard to really choose yeah. five players when there's so many great players that have played this game. Like you got Larry Bird. You have a lot of great big men who impacted the game, but. Once again, I didn't play with a lot of those guys, so it's hard for me to really justify putting him on my list. But Jordan is a guy who usually makes everyone's list. Yeah, I thought it was interesting I, going because I was on Instagram spending way too much time on and on people's lists and looking through it. Just curious. Uh, one name that that come, came up a lot, which I thought was cool, was Tim Duncan. It was almost like he gets forgotten. Uh, having played against Duncan a little bit. Uh, you could easily make the argument that he belongs on this, right? Absolutely. Tim Duncan is one of the greatest players of all time, specifically one of the greatest power forwards to ever walk this earth. So um, it's hard to not put guys like that on the list. Mm -hmm. So when you see them, um, you're not surprised. Just based on the accolades, the ability, the raw skill, the talent, it's all there. And that's what makes stuff like this really fun because you'll get a lot of different guys on lists because – Certain players have impacted guys' lives and have impacted the game differently based on how they view it and their from their perspective. There's really no right or wrong. I mean, it's, it's hard to say, oh, Bill Russell doesn't belong, let me put Wilt on, or Wilt doesn't belong, let me put Shaq or Kareem on. It's very hard to, when you're talking about this quality and, and caliber of player, it's hard to, th- th- that's why like sports is so great in these debates because you're never really going to know the answer. And everybody comes out so hard. Like, how dare you put Bill Russell on? You know, he hasn't played in 50 years. It's like, well, <laughs> guy won 11 titles. Right. He hasn't played in 50 years, but he's still really good in terms of the impact on the game and how dominant he was during his era. I think a lot of times you forget that since you didn't play in the era, you didn't watch that era, it doesn't count, but it still counts. And guys were dominant in many different eras. And I think once. Steph retires once LeBron retires. People will value them differently. They'll view their games differently when they really sit down and look at the numbers, look at the statistics, look at the individual and overall impact those players had on their respective teams in the league. I think their perception changes once they retire. And as Mr. McCall continues, people will appreciate you. I mean, (laughs) listen, you got another, let's say, eight years, eight great years left. Hey, man, you just never know in this business. I'm going to play as long as I can. As long as I can be productive, I'll play as long as the body holds up and try to contribute and help the team for as long as possible. Um, But you just never know. If it's eight years, if it's 10 years, if it's 12 years, if it's less, um, it's always, it's hard to tell in the beginning and easier to tell at the end. But a guy like Lou Williams longevity king right here 15 years in the league looks sharper than ever um, looks more efficient than he's ever been in his career and seems to have really mastered and figured out the game Lou Williams uh, in terms of guard scores uh, one of the hardest covers in the league absolutely one of the hardest covers in the league one of the best players in the league and I think it's unbelievable how efficient he's become with his movement. He can score without without taking shots. He can get fouls. He's getting his players involved now. He's grossly, grossly underpaid. Um, the most underpaid player in the NBA by far um, based on 
worth, ability, impact, the minutes he plays and the amount of usage he has in those minutes and how productive he is, it's crazy. Man, I'm, I'm just a big fan of Lou Williams, and he's skinny. He's a skinny guard <laughs> who seems to figure out ways to continue to stay alive and not only stay alive, but swim effect- effectively and efficiently like a shark and killer that he is. Through two games, <laughs> Lou Williams is averaging 22-8. and eight. Uh, He has one turnover uh, game, so he's got one of the highest purrs in the league. Obviously, small sample size, but he's shooting 52%, um, has not missed a free throw. He is just unbelievable. The guy is is so special. And uh, I know know you – we haven't talked a lot about the Clippers, and I'm sure we will in the coming weeks, but they have all the pieces, man. I'm really excited for you guys to play them because – from top to bottom, I think that's one of the most complete teams in the league. Do, do you know when you guys play them, the Clippers? I have no idea. I mean, the schedule is crazy. We're on the road right now. I'll check it out. I would imagine we play them in November, um, probably closer to the closer to the time Paul George will be coming back. Yeah, November 7th, TNT game uh, at Staples. So there you go. And that'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Well, listen, my man, uh, get some rest. I know you got a big day. Got the Mavs in Dallas, so... Appreciate you taking the time today and uh, and talking with with your with your old friend about about something other than wine because uh, I got I got some good new ones for you so so next week we'll uh, we'll go down that path again yeah let's let's do that I'm I'm on my cleanse right now so I haven't I haven't had any wine in I don't know almost forty days 30, 30 something days now but I'll get back into it in about a week or two. Once again, we appreciate our listeners for tuning in, um, checking out the pull-up pod. As always, basketball season is here. We're really excited about it. But in the meantime, enjoy the weekend and enjoy football. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, backslash pull-up with CJ, or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to pull up. Pull up.